Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and as always, I am joined by the governor, third round pick, three-time Pro Bowler, 32 and a half career sacks. That's Icebox Jerry Ball. How's it going, Jerry? Hey, everything's going good, Jack. You know, I, I can't complain at all. Instead of today was a good day, as they would say. I'm so happy to hear that. Any big weekend plans coming up here? Well, you know, regretfully, um, uh, my in-law, mother-in-law actually passed. So uh, tomorrow we'll be traveling to my hometown and have the services on Saturday. But other than that, you know, we're just going to be around family and, you know, and, you know, celebrating life. I'm so sorry to hear that. And I, I completely can relate. Uh, <coughs> I work at a funeral home. My dad owns a funeral home. So I work there part time during the day. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing okay. that with us. Well, I appreciate it and appreciate you for your service, you know. Absolutely. And obviously not the the easiest ad pivot off of that, but uh, we do have to give a shout out to our friends at betonline.ag. So are you going to convince some of the family to uh, get in on some of the action with you? Well, you know, I I guess I would tell you, you know, BetOnline is definitely going to be in use this weekend. I probably do a little bit more betting with the college games than the pro games simply because we're going to talk about my, 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 I guess you would say my prediction for the Lions and the Rams. Oh, boy. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But for now, Bet Online AG is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And st- thinking about starting the game, we'll kick things off with the topic that everyone has on their minds. The Lions have a date with their X. They're heading to LA, take on mm. former quarterback Matthew Stafford. 
Meanwhile, Jared Goff, it's a it's a revenge game for him there too. So I'm a bit torn, Jerry. You know, like I, I'm happy seeing Matthew Stafford do well, but I don't like him rubbing it in our faces. You know what I mean? So I got to ask my football conference, how should I feel right now about this weekend? If I'm your conscience, I would be telling you, Jack, this is the wrong time for the Lions to be playing the Los Angeles Rams and facing Matt Stafford with a hurt secondary and then a, a battered defensive line facing Aaron Dahl. I would, that's what your conscience is telling you. <laughs> I don't like what my conscience is telling me, Jerry. I really don't. It is what it is, my brother. <laughs> well, I appreciate you not lying to me. And so what are we expecting in this revenge game from both sides? And on that note, did you have any revenge game moments? Because I know you face the Lions twice a year in a Vikings uniform. So do you get more excited to beat your former teammates? Well, you know, you got a little extra step in your pep, you know, uh, extra pep in your step. Let me say it like that. I, I reversed that. Whoa, whoa. Well, but anyway, whenever we played the Lions, I was always going to be up, you know. But also, I didn't have a problem getting up for any other game. Uh, I think, you know, when we say revenge, I think that's, you know, going to, you know, this uh, a bitterness, right? I think the disappointment that Stafford, you know, faced there in Detroit, not really getting the support that typically you'll build around that type of quarterback. You know, I don't think it's revenge as much as it is, you know, proving that I am what I am, that I was that quarterback, that I am the quarterback that can lead a team to a, a championship caliber level, given the opportunity to do it, be it personnel be it decisions also, and be it just basic, you know, the culture of football. You know, you're looking for these rarefied players, and Matthew Stafford, regardless of his Lions record, is a rarefied type of quarterback, you know, just telling the truth. And I think, you know, um, I, I see where he denied, you know, some Detroit writers' interviews and stuff, you know, so – you know, I think in, in some of that, I think, is a good thing because it allows him to focus on the game and don't get into what you and I are, are you know, bantering about, which is things that's not going to control what he does on the field, you know? Yeah. I completely understand trying to shut out that outside noise for now. Like, I'm sure Matthew Stafford will be talking to the Lions reporters after the game. Well, maybe not if the Lions somehow pull off a win. But, yeah. like... I, I, and I like what you said about the revenge game as well. It's not so much a, a revenge. That's just what uh, the fantasy football community calls it because they just want a yeah. big game from their players. But it's not just the quarterbacks either. It's revenge game for the D tackles as well. Sean Robinson from the Lions to the Rams. Michael Brockers from the Rams to the Lions. I'm sure they're going to be looking to make a play against their former team. Did you ever have a chance to embarrass the offensive linemen that you were practicing against all the time when you finally got to face them in a real game? Well, actually, you know, every time we played the Detroit Lions, you know, I was facing Kevin Glover, you know, and, and Kevin Glover is nobody's slouch, no. right? 
So in 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 essence, you know, I had to go in there with my game, you know, on the real. You know, it wasn't no day off for Jerry. Um, I, I would say that in in getting to games where I was playing with the Raiders and, you know, we would have, you know, you know, a little this and that when I was with Cleveland and stuff, some of that kind of festered because in the AFC, you know, they were kind of, you know, contenders during this period of time. But with Detroit, you know, we kept it silver. But I tell you this, they knew that I was coming to knock their head off if I could. <laughs> I'm sure every quarterback was just having nightmares about you knocking their heads off. Well, well, but but you know what? I, I tell you what, and, and I give you a couple of instances of you know competing against a friend. Um, I remember one game. I I think we were it was minnesota we were playing i want to say in minnesota and i remember they had threw herman moore uh, out route and when he was walking back toward the huddle he had to cross my path so i made sure i angled and cut his path and i hit him with my form as we were walking and he hit me back and i was so happy <laughs> <laughs> And I'm uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Fight. That's what it, you know, because I, you know, I watched him from a rookie to now being this leader on the team. And when even I went to go kind of bully him, he didn't take it from me. And I was happy because it was like a son, you know, and, and not so much a son, because I can't say I mentored him in, in the receiver aspect, but in the locker room, building the camaraderie. You know, knowing that guys that have, you know, turned from a young player into a seasoned vet, you know, I love to see what he was in that instance in competing against him. And I remember now this is a funny story, too. So. It was the lines was backed up in our on our side of the field and they had Barry in a single back and Scott Mitchell dropped back, you know, like he was going to throw and then he handed the draw. And I mean, I tell you, I was scot-free. You know, I probably was, you know, as wide as the highway open, whereas nobody around me. And it was just, he hadn't even given the ball to Barry. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hit him. And I'm telling you, and as soon as my eyes blinked, Barry was gone. And I... Turned around and I looked around and I looked at him and then they tapped him a little bit down the field. And as he's walking by me, he know that I almost got him. And he said, close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just Barry too. Like his touchdown <laughs> celebration, he just tosses the ball back. Man of few words. And that's one of the no things. Question. That- the fans wanted to know was, you know, practicing against Barry Sanders, playing against Barry Sanders. What's that like in real life just to see greatness and. You, you know what, what's the funniest thing about what you're saying is that what you see on game day is such a high level of being a superlative athleticism and the ability of someone being able to match Barry move for move, just not that, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I, but when you start really 
thinking about just the whole concept of having a guy like Barry and you, you're having, you know, defenses that have set their whole game plan on stopping Barry, right? So when you see Barry in practice, you know, Barry might be moving like a slug, you know, and I mean, truly, you wouldn't think Barry had any of that juke or moves or none of that in him the way that he's moving in practice. Really? And I remember, I remember one day William White telling me, I, get, I can get you, I can get you. So Barry came through the line like that, and then he turned it on and shut it down, and he dropped him straight to his knees. He made a move on him, and William White went straight to his knees in front of the whole team, and all we could do is laugh at him because, like, man, you see this every Sunday. Why are you sitting up there acting like you – but I will tell you this, too. <laughs> Wayne Fonts, he would actually bring up a rookie at the beginning of training camp. And he'll say, all right, guys, listen up. All right, Rook, I want to make sure I explain something to you. He said, you see this guy right here? This is the quarterback. He's going to have a red jersey on. You don't touch him. You see this guy right here, number 20? You touch him, you're going to get cut. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, is that part of what you still had in your mind when you played him and he, he put that move on you? Just, uh, I don't want to no, get cut. No. No, those guys know what kind of competitor I am. They they know that I and, and I play clean too. You know, I'm not gonna be taking cheap shots and stuff. I'm gonna try to beat your fans square. And I have tackle Barry. I, I've gotten it. Oh, you I know? bet. But on that one, he embarrassed me. I definitely highlight him. But I'm not I'm not embarrassed because he got many on his documentary of highlights. That's the thing, right? He did it to absolutely everyone, just made plays Pretty much. no matter who you were. And that's kind of what we want to see out of Jared Goff after being called out by Dan Campbell. He's going to be looking to make some plays. Is there going to be some tension in the locker room because of the light criticism, which I don't think it matters, but people are talking and they're, they're wondering, yeah. how does that play out in the locker room? Well, I, I tell you what, first of all, let's let's talk about the mental toughness as a player to withstand the public opinion about you. Especially and in not, Detroit, too, right? And, and not take it personally, right? And when I say personally, not that you're mad or anything, but that it affects you. You know, that you're disappointed that they feel that way about you or someone is saying that about you, and your heart isn't that. You know, I'm sure Jared has the heart to be a champion, but there's some things that he's going to have to do as a quarterback that resemble that in his effort, in his play, and in how he responds to the criticism. I, I think this week has really been a bad week for him. And it's not just the heels of the game, but it's just all the extra talk. And then he's coming back to play the Rams. You know, which is a distraction. And then he's going back to try to prove that he was, you know, their guy and they gave up on it too soon. I'm sure that's in his mind. But in his psyche, you know, I'm sure that he has, you know, some of that insecurity of, you know, can we get it done? 
you know, with me at the quarterback at the highest level with me not having all of my troops with me, not having the full offensive line, not having actually the full defense in full support that's going to actually get me the ball back so that I can put points on. You know, all those things I'm sure is going into his mental psyche, but he's a pro. And trust me, he faced it in L.A. too. Before they showed that they could win with him, it was a question. Mm -hmm. Same here in Detroit, it's a question. The only thing is that they're 0-6. Now, we know that there's two games they could have easily won, you know, just on a couple of plays and first downs and things like that that would have happened in the game. But it's it's really time for him to step up. You know, I've also seen people criticize his play. I think what you're seeing in his play is that, you know, feeling of not being comfortable. You know, his feet, like what I said in the first, yeah, after one of the first games that I watched, you know, is that he wasn't comfortable setting his feet. And when a quarterback has nervous feet, it's going to be an erratic ball, high, low, you know, overthrown and things like that, miscues and things like that. But one thing that came out in some of the criticism that has been stated from a coach's perspective is that they're saying that he's not getting past his first read. So, you know, it's like he might have three reads, but if he stayed locked in on his first read and stuff, then, you know, you can see that on film. They'll start jumping the routes knowing that he's not going to get to the third read. You know, so he, he he has some challenges in front of him that he has to answer and only he can ring the bell. And part of it, too, seems like he doesn't trust his receivers because he hasn't had that much time with them. And it's like, you know, when you're your top two wide receivers in terms of Tyrell Williams and Quintus Cephas, they're done for the season like that can't be easy on the psyche. And so I, I get what you're saying. Professional, you have to step up next man up. But yeah, it it makes some. It's hard. It's hard to actually, you, you know. First of all, you're talking about going through a training camp with these guys, so you got your timing, you got your rhythm, you got certain plays where you know the coach will give you the latitude, whereas you guys might be able to work something out. If you know God sees something with the safety and you want to check to something, He allows you to do that. But that's only when they can see that both of you are on the same page. And because these receivers, and he probably didn't actually get as much work as those other guys that are out for the rest of the year, you know, that's where I was saying last week and the week before is that the quarterback and the receivers have to go do extra work. They're going to have to go spend some time on that field outside of the scheduled practice so that they can get those time. And that's where running those routes at full speed, Mm -hmm. so that they can get their timing down. Because when the game comes, that's the speed you're going to be playing at. So he needs to know, okay, I have five yards, it's coming out. Yeah, this is this is where you'll be when you need to be there. Bad. And so hopefully that can kind of develop and hopefully this can all be blown over. And again, it was the lightest of criticism. The fact we're blowing up over this really just... It, it speaks to there's nothing to talk about for the Lions. It's not like when you were with the Browns when it was real tense. You talked about it on Monday, Bill Belichick and Bernie Kosar. What was that locker room like after the fact? I see you have the Browns helmet behind you. Is that signed by Bill and Bernie, or are they still uh, not no, on? 
Actually, all those are play helmets that I actually wore and played in. That's my Ooh. college helmets. I got them all up there from college and all four teams, but those are helmets that I wore, you know? They still fit? <laughs> my head my head then got bigger. <laughs> and I've heard it happens when you retire. Hey, I, I guess, you know, I, but guess what? I don't need it to fit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But 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 just from a locker room standpoint, and, and, and before you even talk about just the locker room with the Browns, I, I would say this. Even if the Lions had won last week, mm-hmm. the Matt Stafford showdown was going to bring this extra spectacle to it. Whereas more people are going to pay attention. Hell, the league, the, the look at the studios. The studios are talking about it, you know, because they know that this is Matt Stafford's time to go back and play against the Lions. And that was a big story, you know, when he and the Lions were trying to figure out what they were going to do. That was a big story. Massive. You know? it's all, it's, and it's all anyone's talking about still to this day. Well, right. Well, you know. You take the Houston, Texas. Let's take it off the lines, right? Houston, Texas trade DeAndre Hopkins and gets nothing. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. Then they lose J.J. Watt. Now they got the quarterback issue. Forget the the off-the-field stuff. You got three key players gone, right? So now they're not even a contender. From a contender to a pretender, okay? Now, to build a team, you got to have some of your core guys. But when you, when someone like the Houston Texans will move a player like that, that's like moving Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. Truly. He's the best in the game. But what are you going to swap for? If you're not talking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, you know, and honestly, and I'm not sure in some cases Russell Wilson is a is a one for one type trade because they're two different style quarterbacks and they fit different systems. You know, so at the end of the day, I think this week particularly, whether or not they won or lost, it was gonna be extra for both Matt and Jared Goff because both of them are playing each other's team. Like you said, they're exes. Now you just imagine that you know, you know, I I being someone that has been married and the divorcee, I would tell you there's a period of time that you need in between that divorce before you sit down at them, right? Even if everything is cordial, you know, you just might not want to be in that space. And I'm sure these guys right now. And the way the NFL works and stuff, it, 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 the Lions could have not been on the schedule this year, right? That's just the, the the chance. But it is, all right? So now they're being brought to the table to show who actually has made the best adjustment with their new team. And we kind of already see that. I was going to say, it seems like we do know who who it is so far it's still early in the season it is and 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 i would tell you that you have to play 
every single game. They don't do games four at a time. It's one at a time. And the Lions can build, can work themselves out of this hole, but it's going to take resilience. It's going to take commitment, and it's going to take every player making a commitment to each other to do the things that is necessary that takes it from ordinary to extraordinary. Do more, not less. That's what's going to be required to turn this corner. That full buy-in from everyone, right? From the whole entire yep. locker room and everybody, tra- training room, you know, equipment staff. Everybody has to step their game up. And is that what happened in Cleveland after Bo- Bernie was gone? Well, after Bernie got cut like that, everybody was shook because then at that point, if the starting quarterback get cut for checking to. A touchdown, that means nobody's safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Puts you a little bit on edge, makes you play a little bit harder. Cause... <laughs> well, you know, again, if you're playing hard, you're playing hard. And, 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 and you know what else, too, Jack, that a lot of people really don't know about that Cleveland Browns team that they don't give Belichick credit for? That team is the Baltimore Ravens. It is. Belichick built that foundation. They don't, people don't really associate that, but when the Browns left to become the Ravens, Belichick put all those players together that went, that became the Baltimore Ravens. So he does know how to build it. I can tell you that. (laughs) And I I think he was there when Ozzie Newsome was hired and we all know complete genius Ozzie Newsome. He built that the Baltimore yeah. Ravens and they two Super Bowls now in their short franchise history. So nothing yeah. to sneeze at. That's right. That's right. But they don't give him credit for that. No one ever really brings that up, you know, and I know it has a lot to do with Ozzy, you know, because Ozzy was a part of the Cleveland organization. He was over the personnel and the GM was Mike Lombardo. That was Mike Lombardi. That was from the 49ers organization. All right. And it was he and Bill. They were running the show in Ozzy. And then when they went, Bill went his way. Ozzy actually became the GM of the of the Ravens after that. And it worked out pretty well. And it seems like it's working out pretty well for Stafford in L.A. so far. He was asked about the Lions fans since he's been gone. And he says that the fact that they're still rooting for him and happy about his success in LA it's just a testament to the people that live in Detroit the fan base that they have also says it's nice to see improvement from defenders like Tracy Walker Amani Aruwari who were there with him I don't know how to take this so I again I have to defer to my football conscious is he trying to butter us up well I I did see his comment of giving pleasantries to the secondary. Mm-hmm. That could mean that I'm about to scorch your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like I see your weakness and I'm about to pluck you out of the sky. All right. But honestly, Detroit fans are unbelievable. Truly. But for a fan base that hasn't had much success and always a promise that they've been loyal. I would tell you, if it wasn't for the winter, I would live in Detroit. 
I wouldn't have never came back to Texas. Detroiters and the people of Michigan have treated me and my family well. We consider it a second home, and we love the people, and the fans have showed us love. I can tell you, you know, that is really a place that I consider home for me many years, you know. My wife, she wanted to come back to Texas to be closer during the time when we were married to family. And that's the only reason I came back to Texas. Other than that, I would have still been in Detroit, you know, just because of the fan base. And and I played with the Lions, what, six, seven years, but I lived in Detroit 13, 14 years. That's a long time. That's truly yeah. a, a second home. Yeah. Yeah, even while I was playing with other teams, I still lived in Detroit. So when you were playing with other teams and came home to Detroit, could you still go out and have fun, or was it kind of you, oh, yeah. you? Yeah, you were you were still the governor. Hey, I, listen. The one thing about Detroit people, specifically because it's a blue collar town, you know, the sophistication of the automotive industry it exists there. But really, this is a blue collar town. And people there respect people that get up and go do an honest day's work. And they could tell by my effort and my passion and the way that I talked about my game and even hope trying to hold the Lions accountable to put a winning on the field, they could respect that I was there to win and do what they hired me to do. And they've always given me the understanding that, hey, man, if we would have had a few more like you, you know, in other words, they seen what I was doing, but they also understood that, hey, we got close, but we didn't really feel it out. And we were close at one time. I will tell you, Ron Hughes said at one time, which, you know, after Ron left, he went and helped Kevin Colbert a little bit over there with the Steelers, that we were one or two players away. And it was really three. And these were the players, quarterback. DB, and we needed a key defensive end rush guy, and they had just drafted Porsche. Mm. So he became that piece. But when we lost Ray Crockett and Mel Jenkins, that put a hole on the cornerbacks. And then because, you know, the little shuffle between Rodney Pete, Gagliano, and um, what's my man? Uh, number 12, shit, I can, well, it, it'll come to me, it'll, but those guys in that, you know, it was, they were making do, you know, but it wasn't that quarterback that, you know, we could ride on, you know, whereas even if the defense is, is, is laboring out there, he's going to keep us in the game. Was that Scott Mitchell then at that point? No. That was before no. him? I'm no, blanking. number 12. I'm blanking too. Man. Man, listen, I am, you know, but again, I some things be slipping my mind. I, I It keep, it's Eric Kramer. Yes. Eric Kramer. I was looking it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you see what he went and did with Chicago. They didn't even keep him. Yeah. You know, but long short, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, Jared, 
and um, Matthew both are going to be able to take their bow on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Matthew has a lot of help in LA with his wide receivers, a little bit more help than Goff does in Detroit, right? But it's a not- little bit. <laughs> no, it ain't a little bit. You know, Matthew has some weapons. And then, you know, just think about you got a guy like Deshaun Jackson that's not even your featured receiver. He's like All a right? receiver four there. It's nuts. Come on, the guy, Youngster Jefferson, and then you also got um, Woods and Cubs. Yeah, you know, playmakers. You know, it's going to be busy. That's where the defensive line, though, is going to have to really, 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 really step up. And, you know, and even, but anyway, we'll get to that. But I think that's going to be real key on, you know, what Matthew do is what kind of pressure they can put on him don't give him time to let to hit those wide receivers and let them get open. And so he does have a lot of help in LA. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he, the cupboard was completely bare in Detroit either. Like how does Cooper cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, that whole crew compared to the players that Stafford worked with in a Calvin Johnson, Megatron, a golden Tate, a Nate Burleson, all quality, incredible players. Well, well, I would tell you this. Golden Tate and Calvin are, you know, after I left the lines and, you know, really looked at, you know, the offense, I wouldn't get excited about the lines until Calvin was on the squad and Barry had left just because I didn't see that game breaker, mm-hmm. you know? Golden Tate, when they got Golden Tate, man, I was like really, really, really happy that they had a guy like Golden Tate because he's a playmaker, but he's that that guy that can work that slot, you know, that in movement and space and stuff, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to him. So yeah, he had those things with him, but they didn't have the running back. Right? So so if, if you're always in passing scenario, okay, eventually your defense will catch up to what you're doing. You know, you need to run to actually offset, you know, the whole balance, you know, mix it up. Whereas you're, you're giving them a pass set, but you're running the ball. You know, the Lions didn't have that one-two punch. They might have had that one big play breaker with Megatron, but what other running back? What running back was that? And it gives you a little bit of attitude too when you can run the ball, punch someone in the mouth, and especially when you have a left tackle like Taylor Decker. Question marks are with him right now. He's being cleared to practice and he is practicing. Dan Campbell says they're not going to force anything, but that also might mean he's being shut down for the season. So is that a mental hurdle thing that he's just struggling with? Because I know you came back from the injury on the chop block. Is that something you have to figure out? Is that confidence again? Well, again, uh, I don't really understand, you know, Dan's comment on that he don't want to force anything. He's either going to be able to play or he's not. That's Mm. the first. And then the other thing is that if he's actually putting the onus on Decker to make the decision that he's going to play, if he's, you know, I say 80%, he, he probably will go. You know, most players, it's players that'll go out there 60, 70%. Just, 
just depending on what they're being asked to do, you know. But I will tell you again, Aaron Donald is working up and down that line, all right, from defensive end to over, you know, to the actual one technique on the center to the three technique over the guard. So even if Decker was there, Aaron Donald might not pick to line up over him. He may go over the rookie or he might go over, you know, someone else. And that's where the Lions can't game plan for that. You know, whoever lines up is just going to have to block the scheme. You know, and that's, that's going to be tough. It's impossible to game plan against Aaron Donald, much the same way it was impossible to game plan against a game wrecker like Jerry Icebox Ball. Uh, yeah, well, you know, well, I, I don't want to be, you know, kind of standing on my stone, but, you know, as you retire and you get to hear other players tell stories of how teams would game plan, you know, I would say I would get some respect. You know, guys would tell me, I would tell you, i give you two instances that I know that, you know, I was doing something that was significant. When we would play the Washington Redskins, you know, they had the Hogs. Yep. And what they would do, they would take their starting center out and put him on the bench. And they would... Yeah, and they would move Riley McKenzie to center and then move Jacoby from tackle to guard. Really? Because yeah. he was one of the elite left tackles back. Listen. All for you. Okay, listen, Cincinnati. After I ran through Cincinnati a couple of times, shit, by that third time, they actually took Anthony Munoz from offensive tackle what? And move him to guard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is real respect. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, and, and you know, and, and a guy that was on the team told me, say, man, Jerry, after you did them a couple times, man, when it came time to play the Lions, man, they put a red jersey on the guy, told him, you Jerry Ball, y'all follow him wherever he go. <laughs> <laughs> The triple team, the moving of Hall of Fame left tackles, Jacoby and Munoz, that, that yeah. is just phenomenal. And Aaron Donald, much the same treatment, I'm sure. Well, not the, oh, no doubt, no doubt. the triple team. Well, you know what? Definitely. You, you know what? At the end of the day, and, and, and this is with all humility that I say this, but when you're doing it, you're really not knowing that you're doing it you're really playing out of your heart. And it's when you go back and look at the film that you see like, damn, you, I did that, you know? And you're like, who is that? I, man, did you see that? Who was that? Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's got to be you know, a great feeling. It, it is. It is. I, I can't lie. And, and I'm sure other guys have their their ways of enjoying, you know, whatever – success they've had but in those ways and stuff i know that that in those instances it, it kind of separated me from the rest the ultimate compliment for sure and so back to donald for a moment 
Where would you line him up this weekend? Because you've talked about playing bully ball. You want to expose the weak link. Are you putting him just straight up on the right tackle, Matt Nelson, straight up on the center, Evan Brown? Or are you moving him around like they've been doing in the past? And to add to that, one last question, Leonard Floyd, the the dominant edge rusher, are you overloading that same side with Donald? You having them play opposite each other? How is Jerry Ball using these supreme talents? I, I, you're going to see everything. We're going to load him up. I'm going to find out who's the duckling on the line. <laughs> I'm going to line him up. Oh, in the first series, the duckling is going to see Aaron Donald. If it's the guard, if it's the center, Right tackle. Whoever they look on film and see who's struggling, that's where I'm going to line him up the first series. Because once I put that pressure on them, then I know when they run to the sideline, they're going to make adjustments based on me and what I did. Now, what that does, that gets them right out of their game plan because they didn't expect them to be there. You know, so that's how we – and then I will move them up and down the line. And once we find that, that duckling – you know, and we got to make a play. I might move him out and I say, okay, it's third and eight. I need you to make the play. And I'm moving right back over that duckling. Go get him. <laughs> oh, brilliant football mind of Jerry Ball. And so it's not just the defensive line with the superstars, though. It's Jalen Ramsey as well. Elite corner. Who's he covering for the Lions? Any one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just any receiver, you're not going to stick him on Hawkins? Well, 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 well honestly, honestly, I, I think Hodge actually is probably going to be his best challenge. I don't see St. Brown and him being mixed up many and many coverage schemes. You know, just by the way that I see how the lines are using him, he's more that interior possession type guy, whereas Hodge and stuff, they're stretching the fields, running posters and and, and routes that, you know, the cornerback is normally going to have to stay in coverage. And then the other thing, though, with Jalen is that he he plays a very bully-type football. In other words, what we like to say, he's a dog. And what that means is that he's going to bark and he's going to bite. All right? So when he's coming at you, he's not just trying to cover you. When he comes to tackle you, he don't just come to tackle you. He tries to put you into that dirt, you know, and you can see that in his play. So I just hope that the Lions receivers can look and see how he plays and answer the bell and make sure they punch him in the mouth first. That'll get him out of his game. Well, and someone said this week, too, that they were hoping to bully Jalen Ramsey a little bit, run at him and make him make a tackle. That's a bad idea. He's going to make that tackle, am I right? Yeah, but, you know, to, to say that you're going to run at Jalen Ramsey, that's not football. Yeah. You know? and, and here's why it's not football. What are you going to do with the other 10 guys? You schemed all of your run around Jalen Ramsey on the outside? Jalen Ramsey on the outside. You need to focus on running in between those tackles that's what's going to give you perpetual motion and get the team up the field. Yeah, it was just a silly quote. And Jalen Ramsey was talking about it after the fact. And he was not impressed. And he was glad that he shut up the Giants after the fact because he felt disrespected. Now for the Lions running game, I personally believe that 
the best player on the team right now, or at least has been performing the best, is DeAndre Swift. You've compared him to Marshall Falk as a receiver a few weeks ago, which is fitting because Swift leads all running backs in receiving yards and receptions. Now he gets to go up against Marshall Falk's former team, prove that he's a top flight running back. How's that going to play out? Can he do it against Aaron Donald? It's all about the blocking. You know, I think if they're getting having a lot of problems trying to punch the ball up the middle, then they're going to have to go to more zone blocking and, and get to the perimeter and hope that he can get some overflowing and use the cutback and zone blocking to actually make some of those runs that's going to move the ball. But I will tell you, like like you, you know, I believe that Swift, I think Swift is the back that should carry the load. I think that offense is different when he's in the game. One, because it does give the versatility of being able to hand the ball off to him or put him out in space and let him run routes. He runs decent routes for a running back, and he catches the ball well. So with that type of, you know, play, you got something to work off of. And I, and, and as long as he's not tired, I'm going to make them chase him all over the field. I'm going to pitch it to him. I'm going to hand it to him. I'm going to throw it to him. And while they see that we didn't got him in the game, then I'm going to sneak cards behind us uh, or, or St. Brown under, and I'm going to fake that same run you've been playing and raise up and then dink it right down the field. You know, that's what they have to do in terms of being able to get them off guard, you know, get them playing a certain way, and then take advantage of what they've left open, you know, to benefit them. Let's go. The 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 shaky dake, as Carrion Johnson described it from DeAndre Swift back when he was with the team. It's just it's different. He just moves differently. And hopefully maybe he ends up being one of the few Lions that qualify for a Pro Bowl berth this year. I see in the background you have your NFC Pro Bowl jersey as well. Maybe something in common between you and Swift. Hey, well, listen, you know, you got to put it on the field and stuff. I would tell you I was very honored and fortunate to have the opportunity to to make it to that game or even be voted. And I would tell you one of the biggest differences, even in that scenario, which, you know, fans, you know, they play a big role in what happens now in sports, specifically in the NFL. Uh, Back in our day, only – Players, personnel, GMs, and coaches voted for the Pro Bowl. If the fans didn't have a vote. And the reason is that because, you know, you take a kid that might come, uh, what's the quarterback in Cleveland? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield comes from Oklahoma, right? National championship run, Heisman Trophy. So he got the hype right off the rip. So he comes to the pros, and let's say he starts nine games for a team, but he has a subpar statistical column and throwing and all that, but he played good for a rookie. Well, his fan base from Oklahoma could give him enough votes possibly to get him in the Pro Bowl, and he may not be the best player. So now it's very different. And, and and it's very different, you know, and, you know, who the, how the top players are chosen. Sometimes, you know, if you talk to football people, 
a football person might say, yeah, he, he's good, but that's the best player there. Or this person here is better than he is. And it could just be that he was in a different conference and they have another superlative that play that same position and you couldn't choose both of them. So one didn't get it. But over here in this conference, if this guy was in that conference, he would have been on the team. But it's, it's you know, but again, and I, and I don't say that in no hate. I, I just say that it's a different system. It definitely is. It's a lot more popularity based now. And if like the entertainment value, the entertainment value of participation is where the game, the interactive aspect of it is getting the fans involved, making them a part of it and things like that. Fantasy football, the voting on the teams and all those things. It contributes to what's made the NFL the biggest show on earth. Absolutely. And I'm sure if they had that back in the day when Jerry Ball was roaming the field, he'd have made even more Pro Bowls because he was so popular with the Detroit. Oh, well, yeah, yes and no. You know, some teams didn't like me because I was putting foot in that ass. Excuse my life. <laughs> <laughs> they were just jealous. They didn't have a Jerry Ball of their own. I can only imagine. I guess. I guess. You know, I had a time with some of the Chicago Bears, Coach Johnny Rowland. And uh, Dennis Gentry here on Monday, we were playing in this Legends Golf Out, and then they were telling me about, you know, some of the Chicago-Detroit games and how we just, you know, minus 37. Hey, Bob, remember that game when it was minus 37 and we hit y'all with And I say, yeah, you remember me cussing Dick out too? He's like, yeah, I remember that boy Dick. I hated your ass. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a compliment for Mike Ditka to hate you. That's that's a compliment, really. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen, I would go over there and walk on this near their sideline. I say, send another one out here, and he like, oh, <laughs> oh, get your fat ass over, get your fat ass out. I'll be like, yeah, send more. <laughs> that's probably why you and John Randall did so well on that, that defensive line. The Red Rover, Red Rover. Who the f's gonna come over? Send more, send hey. more. Same attitude. Well, no doubt. You know, I was more or less at that time, I was an old sage. So I was the foundation and he was the hammer. I'm like, you go hit him and I'm going to catch him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's lots of fun. I can only imagine. And so now talking about the Detroit line a little bit, just because that is your speciality. We've kind of heard some talk that Dan Campbell, he said in the press conference, he might be shaking things up a little bit. A lot of the fan base thinks that might mean the defensive line. Would that mean in your eyes more snaps for guys like Julian Aquara, Austin Bryant, and then the two guys up the middle, Aline McNeil, who we keep hyping, and Levi Muzariki, and less of Trey Flowers and Michael Brockers? Or is are we too early for that? Well, actually... Let's look at it in in the broader sense, right? What coach can be doing is looking for the players that he wants to go forward with. And because he has some youth on the team, there's no better time to actually get them indoctrinated to the NFL game than right now. Because at game seven, if they can put some wins together – and they're contending, then those guys will be prepared in the latter part of the season. So the earlier they play, the better they'll be. 
Now, there has been, you know, some things said also around Trey that they might be looking to trade him. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, you can't put him on the field and get him hurt because then it's hard to move somebody if you already made a decision to move. You know, so they might play him sparingly and, and let him get a little film work so that people can see that he's healthy and back on the field. But if that's the case, then hell, they better start getting somebody else ready to play too. And hopefully they rely a little bit more on the two young defensive linemen that they just drafted. The yeah, those guys are gonna get they're gonna get their run though. You know, mm-hmm. that, that 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 that's gonna happen, you know. Yeah. And hopefully deserving of the run when they they get it. Hopefully they can step up to the plate when they see those snaps. And that's a question we have from our friends over on Twitter at Weirzy underscore my friend Connor Weir. He wants to know which rookie has impressed you more on their limited snaps up the middle. He and he recognizes they play different nose tackle versus three tech. But Aleem McNeil and Levi on Wuzurike, how has that panned out in your eyes? McNeil has been the one has has stood out. You know, a lot of times when people are looking at football, they look at, you know, who's making the tackle, right? But I look at it different. I look at what you're doing if you don't make the tackle, where you're still in the vicinity, where you run into the ball, where you putting any pressure toward the quarterback on the pass and then turning around the field. And the kid, McNeil, he got it. I, I literally see him doing the things that he should, you know? And so I think that he's made probably the best progression out of the two. And he's an athlete for a guy his size. Just, you you he see moved. it. You see it on the field. Like, you see that raw athleticism, much like a Jerry Ball had back in the day. Probably still does. <laughs> Well, I don't know. All mine would be bluffed and stuff. I got I need a knee replacement. I got ligaments in the hands. I got, you know, nerve damage going down. I got labrum tear. I got bicep tendon. I got bone spurs. I'm bone on bone on the right knee. I got earth toe. You know. All of and that. I got I got a hip. You know. So I don't, I don't think they could put enough glue tape and stake together to get me out there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Jerry. All those injuries from football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we've got to know before this game, is there anyone that Jerry Ball thinks needs to be called out? Anyone that needs to step up and perhaps needs a fragrance recommendation from Jerry Ball? Well... Here's how, let me see how, I think I got the perfect one. Ooh. This week, I have a fragrance, you know, they had talked about discontinuing this fragrance, and it's a, a sweet, a nice fragrance that you really can wear year-round, but it really does well in the spring and the fall. And it's by a brand that actually signifies really what the Lions is going to need. And that's a coach. (laughs) This is called Coach Platinum. When I tell you this is a nice one, this is a nice one, man. I mean, whew. Fragrant. Maybe if Coach wear this, 
you know, if he can show up with this on, then the team will know that the coach is in the house, right? And then for the team, I think mm, we want the team to travel well, so we're going to make sure they put them on a little of this Chanel, Chanel Allure Home Extreme. Now, a reason why the allure is because we want to allure a win. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Hope, fingers crossed. And this is a nice one as well, you know. Matter of fact, it goes, I think this one will knock you off with your bow tie on and stuff and make it real nice and fragrant and stuff with nice sealage. So when you walk in the room, all the heads will turn. And, you know, maybe somebody might say, who is that walking in the room? I may have found my scent. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. Thank you, Jerry. No doubt. No doubt. And so hopefully this doesn't happen. Hopefully I can use the allure. Hopefully it works for me. Hopefully the allure works for the Lions, attract a win. What happens if they fall to 0-7? Does that make week eight a must win before the bye? Or is it business as usual? Honestly, this is where someone would think that I don't love the Lions. At 0-7, right now, it's it's a tough one. It would be tough, you know? But I would have to also be honest that if I was looking at the preseason, I didn't anticipate them beating the Rams. That's mm -hmm. just going by paper, you know, personnel, personnel, the Rams, you know, team where they've been competitive here in the last couple of years, the Lions with a new staff, personnel getting acquainted with a new system and all that. They're just a little bit farther ahead and they're playing them at the first half of the season. Now, if they would have caught the Lions in the latter part, then we would have got a chance to see who the Lion team became toward the end. But I do believe that, you know, if they can rattle Matt Stafford and you never hope for anything to hurt anybody, but if they in some way can get him on the sideline, I think their chances improve. And of course, if, if I was them, I would try to send Aaron Donald some food like they did Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of. And, 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 and hope that he stays, you know, glued to a toilet or something because he got an upset stomach, right? <laughs> well, that's what happened with the Bengals, their right guard, Jackson Carmen. And apparently that's what's happening right now with Titans receiver A.J. Brown, too. So don't implicate us. It's it. We're not wishing any ill on anyone. Well, but... yeah, yeah. We're, I'm not wishing. We're not wishing. But we do know that Aaron Donald does give them a better chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, why can't we have an Aaron Donald, you know? Well, we got to draft him. That's one. Or we have to sign him. Now, we had Sue, mm -hmm. right? And I have no idea why the Lions let Sue go other than he chose because of money. But actual, 
I remember sitting down talking to Sue and his dad. And I was telling him, like, look, I left and this is, you know, how I looked at it, you know, things like that. But because you are here now and because you are fiction, they can build this around you. If you stay, man, I think this could be special for you. Right? Now, Sue was the Aaron Donald. He when they drafted. But but the thing that we have to do as an organization. We cannot be a development team for other teams. We drafted the best players, good players. We go through the growing planes with them. And then the next thing you know, they're starting on another team, helping them win a championship, whereas they should have still been in that locker room. Now, we do know that the salary cap is an issue. People have talked about golf's, you know, extension and if they should have done that and then they're looking at the line salary caps, and I've even seen where some fans want them just turn it in to get the draft picks. But here's the deal. When you have an opportunity to draft a player on that board, you don't know if he's going to turn out or not. No one knows. Everyone that is a great college player isn't automatically going to be a great pro. Tony Mandridge. Mm -hmm. I can give you a number of them. Tony Mandridge was a man amongst boys in college, but when he came to play against other men, he was average. And that's not to say that being a pro athlete is average. No. Of I'm course. talking about when you compare to the other 32 tackles, he was just as good as the other 32. <laughs> and when you compare it to Deion Sanders and everyone else that was drafted around him. <laughs> hey. That's a whole different game now. Yeah. Deion Sanders, but, not only the best in the draft, Deion Sanders proved to probably be the best cornerback ever to play football. And there's been some great ones. Okay? And then you got Barry Sanders that was in that You know? Then you got Derek Thomas, Broderick Thomas, you know, Neil Smith. You know, it just goes on and on. You know, that was a hell of a class. You know, but that was a good point. Good drafting. But I, I think that, you know, once Coach Campbell, Chris, the owner, and everyone decide how they want to go forward and the type of players that they want to make an investment in, I think that's when the Aaron Donalds are going to be there. But I will say this, and I'll say this to the Lions every day of the week. As long as they're looking for someone to act like they're coming to work at Ford Motor Company, you're applying the wrong assessment of skill set for the job. You need a man that's going to go knock somebody's head off and not apologize. In the workforce of corporate America, that's not what you do. But in the game of football. That's what you ask to do now. So if I want a gladiator, I don't need an accountant. Meaning don't bring the practices of the corporate structure into the football locker room. Keep that up there in the administration. Because when they when the lines have let that come down into the team, it's disrupted the team. It's divided the team. 
you know. So no matter who they draft, they need to draft players that are football players, not accountants. Now, we do have intellectual, you know, capacity. Some of us come out of college with degrees. Some of us get our master's. Some of us get our doctorates. But we're not hiring them to do any of that. We're hiring them to go over there and hit that 6'6", 325-pound man in his mouth and win. That's when I get <laughs> Goosebumps. I, I swear I get goosebumps at least two to three times every time I record you, Jerry. Hey, I'm just telling the truth. They're telling what's, re what's required. Imagine if a Ray Lewis, it, this is how I kind of put it, you know, and, and you take a guy like Ray Lewis or a Warren Sapp, you know, that is very dramatic and theatrical, you know, Whereas they are very great football players, but they also was expressive, you know, and those teams allowed them to be who they are as leaders because they were leading men on the field. Their discretion might not have been about doing all of the right corporate things, but they were never an embarrassment to their organizations because they allowed them to be football players. Sometimes the lines, you know, want you to be like you a Ford employee versus a Detroit line. And the management that they've hired operates that way. And you're talking about applicable knowledge. If we're building cars, if we're doing a turnaround, if we're looking at a finance deal, if we're looking at uh, lean manufacturing, if we're looking at distribution, if we're looking at the assembly plan, if we're looking at all those things, now we're talking about cars, but over here we're talking about football. Blocking, tackling, catching, running. <laughs> but you got to have the best that's willing to go do it, no matter what the cause. Rain, sleet, snow, fire, ice, don't matter. These people will hunt. And to have the type of teams that's going to build a championship team, um, you got to have a Michael Jordan. As, as, as they talk about Michael Jordan and they talk about how demanding he was and the type of asshole he was, he got those championships. The Lions never let that type of attitude develop in the locker room because they always want to keep it down more on perception then when and, and again, I'm just speaking during my time there. I'm not oh. saying that I've been there the whole 25 years since I left, but I'm just saying that's that's what's needed. I mean, that's truly what's needed. That that that's the culture of football. You know, having guys that really are competing for a championship. The biggest problem that the Lions really don't recognize that they had with me is that I was there to win a championship. And I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to win a championship, and they wasn't ready for me. But wow. then I go over to Minnesota. They elect me as a captain. And then the Green, he allows me to take the team, take Randy Mouse with Chris Carter and some of the others, and help form up a young group of guys and get them ready to compete. 
and and it was to the point where you could say like a player coach, you know. But what that was is that there was a respect of seeing how I went about my work, understanding that I came in early on the off days and I would break down film with the coach so that I would be able on the field to make the adjustments as the nose guard, just like a quarterback would make an adjustment. If I seen a certain tip and the guy was supposed to play a tight shade on the guard, I might tell him, hey, widen out to a four. That just moved him from off of the tip of the guard to the inside tip of the tackle. And the reason why I matter told him to do that is because I knew at this down and distance and in these tendencies, they like to run to this side and they like to go to the wide side of the field. So what I did is I widened him to make them have to stretch it, which would give the linebackers more time to get over that. But I studied and I went about the game that way. So when you have players that are really trying to win a championship, they're going to be in there on Tuesdays. They're going to be in there doing that extra work, breaking down the field with the coach so that they understand what who they're playing and what they're going to be asking the others to do. You know? So anyway, I know that was long-winded. I went on a tangent, but I think that that's, that's the element that we got to get. It might be, it might take a long time, but it is not long winded at all. It is all valuable information that the people want to hear. So thank you for that. Cause again, goosebumps. No question. <laughs> so now uh, talking about the Lions, it's, and like you say, it's football. It's just football. That's how what we ended the show on last week. It's just football. Get football players. Yep. And so before we wrap things up here, we've got to get our, our predictions for this weekend. What does Jerry think the final score is going to be? Mm. <laughs> Ooh. Man, that, that's going to be tough. I mean, that that's a real pretty stadium they have. It is. I mean, that looked like a spaceship, you know, or it looked like the landing in Mars as if you were coming into some type of futuristic type, you know, uh, facility, but it's, it's a nice stadium. And the reason why I started talking about the stadium, because I didn't want to give you no points. <laughs> <laughs> I respect man, it. it. It's tough, man. It, it's very hard for me to, I don't know if the lines, honestly, man, if Jared Goff can come out and really play, if he could put 21 points on on the Rams, I, I would think that would be a good day for him. But but honestly, I do believe Stafford is good for 30. Yeah, I, I, I and, really and listen, Lion fans, I apologize, but I'm looking at they got four wideouts. All of them can score from anywhere on the field. You got a great quarterback with some help. You know, the only thing that the Rams have been struggling with this year is running back. But running backs are a dime a dozen, believe it or not. But that's the position that, because they, like with us in the receivers, their running backs got hurt like that. Whereas they were the ones that they were going to count on. Other than that, you know, what they planned on going to attack this league this year with, everything is in place except for the running back. 
So anyway, I'm going to be tuned in. I know the weather is always great in L.A. You know, did I tell you I lived in L.A.? Man, that was a great place. Man, I tell you. And Woo! that probably ruined the Detroit winters for you, am I right? Hey, man, you can't even compare. <laughs> I tell you this. Now, one of the things that most teams do when you're coming from the Midwest or from the East Coast, normally NFL teams will go out on Friday instead of Saturday so that you don't have the jet lag. And I hope that the Lions do that because that did always make a difference when we would get out there earlier. Now, when you go out there on the Saturday, guys are going to, you know, come in and get on schedule and things like that. But it's still just such a short window. Whereas if they come in Friday, they get a chance to relax. They might be able to go out and have dinner on Friday so that they don't have to get all caught up into what's going on in L.A. and then come back in Saturday and you are already there. So now you can rally in a comfortable way and really start focusing all day Saturday instead of traveling on Saturday. And then when you get there, do the walkthrough, and then you run right into your meetings. So I would hope that, you know, that they do that because that's what, you know, most teams that understand about playing at West Coast when you're traveling that distance. They try to get their players in early enough so that they can get that little energy out. And then at the same time, they got enough time without trying to rush because you're on a different time zone. Chris Spear will be inducted into the Lions ring of that halftime versus the Philadelphia. Your former mate, second round. Any, any, any thoughts any on Chris Spielman and the Ring of Honor? Well, I, I tell you, you know, first, Chris, you know, from my family to you, you're very deserving. You know, it probably could have been done any years previously before this year. You know, it would have been more than, you know, warranted. You know, so congratulations on, you know, receiving such an honor. Just another step toward immortality. I appreciate you as a player, as a teammate, and as a friend. And we'll always, you know, remember the time that we shared on the game. But I think that the Lions, you know, they did right. You know, Lomas Brown and Herman Moore and those guys also need to hit that ring, Glover, Kevin Glover and those guys. But, Chris, you know, you should be definitely proud of yourself. I know your family and I know Steph in heaven is definitely proud of you and stuff. And, brother, we love you. And I think that was think that was way to go out to on, here. on here. So any pluggables to plug before we head out, Jerry? Uh, no, go Lions. Go Lions. Go Lions. Make sure you follow, sure you follow up, up with Real Talk with, talk with Jerry Ball over, over, over on YouTube. On Until, next, Until time, next time, we're ready to break, it, ready down, to break it down, Jerry. Yeah. One, two, three. We, we believe. believe. <laughs> I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the lions say it with me i love the lions i believe i believe i believe i believe i believe i believe without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.